Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Grove Racing. Every time we hit the track, we rely on Gates premium parts to help us perform under extreme conditions. Serpentine, cooling and timing systems are critical for your engine's performance. Inspecting and replacing all system components at the same time will ensure your vehicle is ready to tackle any challenge. Protect your ride with Gates. Available from Repco, Napa Auto Parts, super cheap and reputable auto stores. G'day, this is the Gates Revolimiter Summer Series with Andrew Clark. Hello race fans. And yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. In this series, we review each team of the 22 season. But it's a big job, so to help us, we've enlisted auto action owner and managing editor Bruce Williams to help us unpack it all. So without further chit chat, welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Auto Action Supercar Teams Review. We're doing the cool drive, well, pull apart review, what's going on, blah, blah, blah for 2022, 2023. Clark, you ranked the 9th. Uh, single car team, Tim Slade, you gave him a B and he finished in 11th position. Talk me through this. Single car team, uh, really tough ask in this game to be a single car team. So, uh, you know, to, to end up in 11th spot for Tim Slade, really good return for that small little operation. But, you know, it's a good little team. Um, they got a big desires. They want to become a two car team, which we can talk about in a minute and uh, how they're going to do that and how they expect to get there. Uh, but, you know, it's hard when you, don't, you haven't got anybody's data to share. You're not you know, partnering up with Tickford or anything like that to get their data. So you've got one guy's input to sort out the car and get it working. Um, so that's a really, really big ask in this game. Yeah, they, um, this star, people forget this team was basically put together. They, uh, they acquired two chassis, one that they got from Tickford and the other one came from, um, was the former Milwaukee. Tickford as well, effectively. Effectively, Tickford, yeah, but they um, and they start look when Tim um, Tim got in the car at Bathurst last year. He was looking really, really good. The car was fast, and he was uh, looking for a really great result. I think he was on on the money for a podium, and then uh, there was a miss gear selection, and uh, he had a huge crash at Bathurst. Yeah, but if we look at them as a team, though, though Bruce, you know, I, I think you know I had them placed at the start of the year in front of Matt Stone Racing and Premier Racing, even though they're a single car team. Um, I think if they become a two-car team, we can see some pretty good things from these guys because, you know, Tim Slade showed speed at times, um, you know, despite the fact that he didn't have anybody to share data with. So, you know, it's a good effort for a single-car team. You can't underestimate how how much difference it is just running single-car, even to the point where, you know, you can't split an engineering strategy at the start of the weekend and, you know, when you're trying to chase a setup in a car and see what it works. So you've basically got to rely on on that one driver. And there were times when Tim showed good speed in the car, but they had a few issues along the way. And um, it'll be interesting to see. There will be another team, I think, that will benefit from starting with a clean sheet of paper. And as we discussed, they really want to grow to a two-car team. They have absolutely confirmed they want the final uh, licence to compete. And um, Maybe in uh, 2024, that'll come to fruition for them. Yeah. And I think the, the thing for me with this team is that um, Tim Slade was the hardest charger because um, if we go to my little um, squiggly lines that I like to show you, you know, he's picked up 4.9 spots in the races on average from his qualifying to his race results. So that puts him well out in front of those things. So, you know, they did struggle in qualifying. They struggled to get that qualifying speed. But in the races, you know, 
they had managed to get it all together and they did some interesting strategies. They took risks. They took some gambles uh, and it generally paid off for them. So, uh, you know, as a racers, they were good. As qualifiers, not quite so good. And a lot of that comes down to the fact, again, that, you know, when you're a one, when you're a one car team, you're just not quite sure of the data um, as you can go out with two cars and try tyre pressures and all sorts of things. So it does have, it is a disadvantage being a single car team, but yeah, look, they, they always looked the goods. They were there or thereabouts. And the fact that they finished 11th just outside the top 10 is a, is a solid result. And um, Tim is a good driver. Uh, again, it's a bit hard to judge if he'd been in a two-car team or a better team, where would he have finished? But, uh, yeah, he's out of there and uh, he's going to uh, Matt Stone Racing next year. So, again, new cars, new uh, driver talent for next year. So it'll be a... Uh, another year for them so come on boss what do you reckon was my b a good or a bad rating for tim slade mm, no i think it was pretty fair i think it was fair <laughs> is it a big ask nowadays in the modern supercar teams to actually have a one car team can you even compete now i, I thought it was just a, a lot to chew just one car trying to keep up with everybody else who had at least two. Some of them had four cars. I, don't know. I think they showed by finishing 11th that they can. There's no doubt in my mind that two's the magic number. I think potentially four from an engineering and a racing point of view is too many. It might be great for commercially and, and running a team as a business having four cars, but I think two, two cars is the magic number. So, yeah. I mean, Cool Drive certainly are not; a, they have no advantage by being one car team, and I would think that they're probably more disadvantaged than we realise by just being a single car team. Hence, they, you know, desperately want to get. Yes, yeah. Well, they're they're at the top of the list if the supercars decide to release. That Absolutely, license. and the process, which um is very badly reported in all the other motorsport media, is that it has to be offered to the existing teams first. You know, so I know of two teams absolutely that will take it. Yeah. Well, the other one would be um, Erebus. But, um, you know, Tim Blanchard has said, I will take that license. If it comes up, we're taking it. So it's never going to get to Peter Adderton no matter how much he wants it. And they want to be a two-car team because they know, you know, they need to be a two-car team to get where they want to get to. Question, why did Tim Slade leave? Because he wants to be in a two-car team. But, I, yeah, as a one-car team, he knows you're going to struggle at the end of the day. He needs somebody who he can share data with and, um, and grow with. And, uh, you know, he's done a good job for the team good results and he's shown potential um, but I don't think he just wants to show potential I think he's a bit hungrier than that so uh, that's the reason for the switch who knows the Blanchard's the best Bruce does oh, I why do you want to know what are they trying to achieve with this team are they got ideals to be a front running team like Red Bull or Shell V Power I don't think that Blanchard's, you know, Tim and his father, John, are in the sport for any other reason and other than to be as competitive as they possibly can. You know, they run a highly successful business in Cool Drive. The race team showcases their brand and a lot of their key products are involved in the racing program. So they're able to use it as a marketing tool and also, uh, you know, customer entertainment tool and all that sort of stuff. So it's a pretty powerful medium for them to promote their brand. So I know that they've got good equipment. They've just expanded their um, their race headquarters in Box Hill. They're going to run their Mustang next year as, in a Super 2 program. So, yeah, I mean, they 100% committed to doing the best possible job they can. I don't know that they've got a massive budget. I think that they're doing things reasonably limited budget, but they do it well. I mean... Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting case study because 
they've got a race team that a lot of the overheads that the race team has, they don't have to worry about because the cool drive operation allows them for accounting staff and management staff and all of that sort of thing. So whereas if you're a standalone race team, you've got to employ specific people to do specific jobs. So it's a pretty well-run organisation. They're very professional. You know, Tim's been a racer and a very successful racer and John's been a racer as well, so they know the sport intimately. And I think in answer to your question, Nev, I, I don't think they see themselves as becoming like that championship outright contenders like Triple Eights and DJRs, but I reckon they see themselves as podiums and occasional winners, and I think that's their goal. Uh, and most people in those small teams are thinking Bathurst as well, that, you know, we can dig something unusual at Bathurst and, uh, you know, snag a win up there, which we've seen in the past. So, yeah, that's where I think they're at. And, that, and that's an interesting point, Andrew. I think one of the disappointments of the current Supercar Championship Series is we don't have enough endurance races. Yeah, you know, I'll get held down for this, but the reality is that events like Bathurst and the Sandown 500 and other genuine endurance races do give smaller teams the opportunity to to deliver results that in a straight out 100k sprint race that they just can't they can't beat up the other teams because there's just no opportunity. Whereas in a longer race, they can go out there and set their lap times and rattle around and work to their strategy and a few people fall out and a safety car goes their way and all of a sudden, you know, they snag a podium. And that's, you know, the opportunities for those results for the smaller teams are, are taken away when there's not more of those long-distance races. Yeah. And, and you saw with these guys, they were willing to take gambles. I mean, they were pitting Tim Slade on the first possible time that the window opened in, in many races and then trying to survive the entire race. So, you know, these small teams can take those gambles and uh, and come up with something really good if it works properly for them. Um, sometimes it doesn't work, but, you know, like he ran for laps after lap after lap at Melbourne when everybody else was falling off their tyres and he pulled some pretty good results out of that. Yeah, he. I mean, some of that was on the back of some pretty average in qualifying. I think they did that at Townsville when, you know, Tim qualified near or back of the grid and so through necessity they had to do that but yeah i mean on occasion those those things deliver results yeah but remember grand prix like he's qualifying 12th and finishing fourth because they gambled on the tires and uh you know the fact that they could make the tires survive everybody else was falling to pieces um so you know that shows to me that they've got potential to do some unusual things and uh you know let's hope that they do do something good because you know they're good blokes they're good guys single car team let's shake up the shake up the order Each week, find out what the men behind the V8 news know and what the drivers and teams are going to do next. It's interviews and opinions on Inside Supercars. My predecessor, Roland Dane, did a very, very good job. We're no longer shareholders of the build business. Personally, I think a 500 in the build-up to the 1,000 is, is a good thing. Tune in for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.